0: Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: Gojo and Go. Time to review our Cash It or Trash It segment presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code GOJO because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. So, we talked going into the weekend about rams lines. okay? Rams getting three points. Gojo, you like the Rams. Senior liked the Lions. So, let's get a little reaction here how do we feel junior you had rams plus three senior had lines minus three
0: yeah thankfully the uh the constraints of this forced me into just doing the rams and the points because i picked the rams outright going into this weekend too and was wrong about that albeit by one point it was a great game it was probably the only really competitive game of the weekend so uh, i feel pretty good about that one right now it's exactly what i expected the big plays that we got out of that rams passing offense Puka Nakua was incredible yet again matthew stafford Fitz, that was one of the tougher and grittier performances. I know we're going to ask the question of should he have even been out there after the hit where it looked like he got knocked out. And obviously... That's a worthwhile question. The NFL's history with head trauma is all there, but I I also do have to marvel at just the fact that Matthew Stafford, even after that, even after hitting his hand off Aline McNeil's helmet early in that game, seeing it covered in blood, already bandaged up, managed to do the things he did in that game, that's a guy that the Rams can be very excited about next year because their quarterback played like a top-five guy yet again around a young core that seems to have really reset the clock for this team now.
2: Yeah, and the funny thing is is they talked about Stafford leading into this game. We're reminded how long he's been in this league, and I almost forget that. It feels like it wasn't that long ago, too, that it was, is Stafford coming back? How long will they have him? He made it clear after the game that he's not going anywhere. Uh, You're right. It was not only a gutsy performance, but it was also a reminder of just how good he is and how good he can be. His his ability to just read, his accuracy, his sidearm throws, like, the number of times they kept saying, well, that was uh, Mahomes-like of him. I mean, Stafford's been doing that for a long time. We just weren't paying attention when it was in Detroit because we thought it was only numbers padding. And then with the Rams, we give all the credit to McFay sometimes, and I think sometimes players get lost in that. Like, Puka's a great example of, it felt like players get lost in this conversation. Everybody's like, oh, it's McVay. It's McVay. Well, yards after catch isn't McVay. I, I I don't. I love coaches, but man, like if Puka Nakua catches the ball five yards down the field and turns it into twenty-seven yards, I would like to credit the player at some point. That happened over and over. So I think Stafford and Nakua both have shown you that as great as McVay is as a coach, like you've got individual efforts that are truly elite levels from those players. Well,
0: it fits. I think that's a great point about how we as the public perceive so much of quarterback play is through those extra effort moments. And really that's for every position, but with quarterback, especially like a lot of people were bringing up as we looked at, we take the whole weekend that we've seen so far in totality fits. A lot of people were bringing up Cam Newton because Cam Newton got taken through the absolute ringer a few weeks ago when he said that he thought guys like Tua, guys like Dak Prescott, guys like Brock Purdy were more game managers than they were game winners, than they were playmakers like Cam Newton was back in the day. And as many people have pointed out, seeing what happened with Dak, seeing what happened with Tua, if you're Cam Newton, would look like a victory lap. And while I would push back on that notion some for both guys in certain spots, Jason, it is also... And I think we've seen it a little bit more with Dak over a long sample size. And we've seen it in spots with Tua, but in general, that is the difference. Like when we try and measure Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford against each other, Jared Goff played a great game in that game, but we saw also how stout the group around him was. The group around Matthew Stafford and the Rams was great, but there were some of those plays that you looked at and said, there are only a handful of guys that can make getting hit, laying the ball in those spots, the crazy arm angles, the stuff that it just seems so full. Or into such a large section of the quarterback population.
2: We've talked a lot about quarterbacks and how the new era of quarterbacks are, are more mobile, they're more athletic, blah, blah, blah. I think in my mind, sometimes what it comes down to is I think you need a quarterback that can execute the offense to the highest possible level, but they can also save your offense six or seven times a game. And I don't mean yes. necessarily with your legs. It can be any... like. We saw Stafford do that. The play where he had somebody barreling down, forgive me for not remembering who it was, and somehow underhand sidearm weird motion gets the ball out and gets a first down out of it. Like, those are the moments where it's, it's not about necessarily, hey, this is a running quarterback or whatever we want to associate with that. It's can your quarterback take six or seven times in the game and just save an offense? And that's what... Stafford did, and they lost the game. But I think sometimes when we talk about Cam and the conversation of game managers, I I don't want to put words in his mouth. He certainly knows the position better than I ever will. But I think that's more the essence of the modern quarterback is you need somebody that can save your coaches six or seven, whether it's with their legs, their arms, their eyes, however they're doing it, they can make plays off schedule that keep drives alive six or seven times a game. That's the difference between having a guy and having the guy to me. 100%. Oh, I I remember having
0: that conversation on air with Dan Orlovsky years ago, a guy who came into the NFL and was a starter for a while and then transitioned to being a backup and said the conversation he had with coaches is the difference between being a starter and a backup in the NFL is about five plays a game. It's about five plays a game that you can impact differently than the vast majority of quarterbacks that go out there. And Jason, as a former offensive lineman, it's always how I've thought about it. Can you get us out of a jam every once in a while? Are you good enough to paper over some of the inefficiencies elsewhere in your roster? or or does everything have to look perfect? And I think that's why the Brock Purdy's of the world get a little bit of side-eye sometimes because the moment we've seen that team without some of their key weapons, it doesn't look quite the same. And environment's important. We talk out of both sides of our mouths a fair amount with this stuff, but at the end of the day, I do believe what you're saying there is right. And I think this weekend was a testament to it. We talked about C.J. Stroud and the Texans getting that win over the Browns. Look at the regular season matchup and who was under center for the Houston Texans and how that game went. And look at the postseason matchup CJ Stroud that goose egg in the sack column for the Cleveland Browns defense is just as much a quarterback stat like always if you look at the difference between sack percentage and pressure percentage on teams you get to attribute some of that to the quarterback's ability to buy time get the ball out on time or just use his legs to get away from stuff
2: yeah I think let's go even further we were just talking about the Dolphins and the Chiefs One of the biggest differences there, I mentioned the Mahomes run. It was the backbreaker for the Dolphins' defense. It was a playoff schedule that kept a drive alive. It happened to be a run. Mahomes does that with his arms and his legs. That's what makes him so dangerous. He saves drives multiple ways. To a wasn't really capable of doing that play in and play out. It just felt like they were a little bit stuck. You're right. Like, as you look at this and you start to figure out who's, you know, elite, whatever that means, you do have to look sort of at the quarterback. Like you need a coaching staff that's willing to give the quarterback the freedom to save them. You need a coaching staff that has the lack of ego to allow that to happen. And you need a quarterback that can ultimately execute what the coaches are asking while also then having the confidence and the freedom to go off schedule when he has to. Like, I I think this is a little bit of a, Like a perfect cake is a mix of like absolute great ingredients, right? Like I think this is those great ingredients have to all come together. It takes compromise from all sides.
0: So Fitz, we had two young quarterbacks step up in – Jordan Love for the Green Bay Packers, who, you know, is, I get it, multiple years into his NFL career, but in his first year as a starter, on his rookie contract still. We had CJ Stroud, like we talked about. And then we had two veteran laden teams, and the Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs get wins this weekend. Who surprised you the most of what we saw from this weekend?
2: I, I mean, I think there were a lot of surprises this weekend, but the way the Packers went in, I think what surprised me the most, not to make it about the negative, is how the Cowboys just laid down. Uh, but the packers took advantage of it. I, I, the way Jordan Love played, I don't think you go back and watch that Monday night game that I was obviously invested in as a Raiders fan against the Raiders and look at the difference in accuracy for Jordan Love for four or five games in the middle of the season. It looked like my guy was barely going to get to 50%. Right? Like it just it looked wildly off. Now, I know he had some rust to work off, but the difference between Jordan Love in the middle portion of the season versus Jordan Love in the last 3 or 4 weeks is substantial. Uh, Part of that's got to be coaching. Part of that's got to be the player. But man, I think the difference in Jordan Love, even in this game, he carved up and then just the inability of the Cowboys to cover. I I mean, there, there were some of those plays where I felt like the Packers, who, by the way, Remember, it was the Packers don't have any offensive weapons, right? Like those offensive weapons that supposedly didn't exist were back there opening their picnic basket, having a little feast. Like they were so open, they could just sit down on the field, have a meal, step up, and then get touchdowns. I I, I thought the Packers' performance was truly stunning. Yeah, I,
0: I do think you're right. And what Matt LaFleur has done – post Aaron Rodgers leaving there. Like, that's another guy. A lot of people weren't sure how much credit to give him. It was almost like the Eric Spolstra situation in Miami where everyone said, well, yeah, you've got a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Of course, everything's going to look great. And he has coached his whole ass off this year. And by the way, had some quotes after the
2: game talking about how much more fun this year has been. I can't imagine why. I mean, Mike, I said this last night on Yo- on one of my Yahoo shows, it was Sunday Night Blitz with Frank Schwab. I said last night on our show, it is time to simply acknowledge that the Packers are better without Aaron Rodgers and they won this entire trade like we're spending all this time talking about Aaron Rodgers and I realized he was hurt this year doesn't matter the Packers figured out what they have a quarterback they figured out that they're going to be pretty good for the next several years they've had a better year than anybody expected the young weapons have all developed and they did all of it without Aaron Rodgers like there is a very clear-cut simple winner in the trade of Aaron Rodgers and it's the Green Bay Packers like Gouda LaFleur, Lafleur. Jordan Love, uh, there's a lot of people that need to sit down and apologize to all of them. And by the way, it is okay at this point to admit that the loss of Aaron Rodgers was a benefit to the Packers.
0: Well, especially because of the timeline, like because of Jordan Love's youth, which was always the bet. The Packers did the hard thing. Now, again, I will still go back and say we can judge process and say the way they handled that transition of not giving their current Hall of Fame quarterback the heads up that, hey, we're going to do this in the draft. Not the way to go about it and clearly caused a fissure that made the last few years uglier than I think they needed to be. Although we've seen since then, Aaron Rodgers has a lot to do with this, given his personality type and given what we know about him. But you're right, Jason, they bet on their ability to scout and develop this position, and they won because of that. And very few organizations, I think, have a level of honesty with themselves about how they scout and evaluate and develop certain positions or football teams in general in the way they attack this process. And so there is a huge win in this for the Green Bay Packers, no doubt. But there's also at the time that they were able to go out and do these things, Joe Barry's defense that has been much maligned for a lot of this season, stepping up, forcing some big turnovers in this game, being able to shut down a Cowboys rushing attack that had been mediocre for a lot of the back end of this season, and then on the other side the Packers figuring out the offensive line in front of him, like you mentioned what Jordan Love has looked like late in the season, I don't think it's any coincidence that it's also coincided with the best version of their offensive line combination coming together, what we saw last, uh, what, uh, what we saw last night from Aaron Jones and that rushing attack being able to go out there like postseason football across the board I know it's cliche and I know people think it just sounds dumb and lazy to say but look at the teams who run one random were able to stop the run like it doesn't have to be the best thing that you do in the modern NFL but it's a prerequisite to the party like if you have one of those glaring flaws like we saw with the Cowboys you're not going to be able to get through this because it's the easiest way from point a to point b
2: Yeah, if you can't stop the run, like you got to be able to run efficiently. And I think modern metrics and analytics tell you that. You don't have to be a running team. You have to be able to be efficient when you run. If you can't stop the run, You just can't win in the playoffs because you you can't possess the ball enough to do a damn thing about it. And, you know, that's the part of this. Like, I think the ripple effects for the Cowboys loss are huge. Yes, we're all talking about Will McCarthy keep his job. A few days ago, I said there's no way he doesn't. I didn't expect a blowout. Now I can't find a way that he keeps his job. Uh, What does it mean for Dak's future is real. But also, I'm sorry, but how are you going to sell Dan Quinn? Like, Dan Quinn was supposed to be a hot head coaching candidate. What are You go into your fan base now and you hire Quinn and say, pay no attention to the playoff ass-kicking where our defense absolutely got dominated, but no, that's hard for me. I, I think this makes you question everything about anybody with the Cowboys star on their chest during the course of that playoff game, including Dan Quinn
0: does it make you think that they're thirsty enough to go after Bill Belichick? Because that was the name that was trending with the Cowboys throughout this entire process during the game was people half expecting to see Belichick in the booth based on this. I have questions about Jerry Jones, who again, just swallowed his pride enough to let Jimmy Johnson into the ring of honor, inviting another coach that would get as much of the credit if things went well as Bill Belichick would. Or do you think that Jerry's desperate enough in his old age to turn to someone like Bill?
2: Yeah, I think when you're at the stage in life that Jerry's in, sometimes ego doesn't matter as much as the moment that you crave. And right now, what he craves is a Super Bowl. And part of the reason this is win-win is, let's be honest, if we were playing Madden and you had to pick a roster to play with, the Cowboys would be one of the ones you absolutely want. They have so much talent. If you're Bill and you're trying to set the all-time record and you need 14 wins – What job is going to get you to that number faster than that Cowboys team? I I just, I feel like realistically, if you look at it for Bill, it's a win. If you look at it for Jerry, it's a win. Both men would have to swallow a little bit of pride, but they both get the thing they covet out of it. We all know, like, at some point, no matter how much pride your grandparents have when they're sitting at the Thanksgiving table, if they're all going to get the turkey they want at the end, they'll swallow a little bit just to get what they want at the food, of the food. So I think absolutely it's a good fit.
0: I do think, and I think especially defensively, I saw you know, Mina Kimes was talking about uh, the other day on her show, the prospect of, hey, what if Bill Belichick was the new head coach of the Seattle Seahawks? How would you feel? And she noted the defensive prowess that he brings would be a huge bonus. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, Dan Quinn has understandably been lauded for what he's built as far as a defense that especially harasses the quarterback, causes turnovers at a high frequency. But there's no doubt Bill Belichick and what he affords you defensively, while personnel-wise you can ask the question about how it would fit with this current Cowboys group, it would be stock up on that side of the ball. And for Bill on the other side... You've got a quarterback in Dak Prescott that can get it done. Now, the big moment thing is going to follow him. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that's going to be part of the conversation. But Dak was great for the vast majority of this season and then completely pooped his pants in this game. But as far as Bill Belichick and what he's had post-Brady, it would absolutely answer the question for him in a way that would make life easier.
2: Well, and let's be honest, he's probably going to hire Josh McDaniels to come in and run his offense, which is going to be good for all of those weapons. I think there's this moment, too, as I was headed to the gym this morning because, you know, I work out. Uh, one thing that Chris Canney was saying on ESPN radio is that the Cowboys, as an institution, are soft. If that's the case, if you believe that the players in the locker room are too soft to go out and win these types of games, Pretty easy solution to, to making things tougher in there. Like, Belichick is the type of person that would fix a soft culture, right? So, you know, if, if that's what we believe, I think there's a fix there.
0: Would you want Belichick or Harbaugh, if you had your choice of both, either is going to say yes if you offer them the job if you're the Cowboys? Which of those guys do you take?
2: I, prob- I, I probably take Harbaugh because yeah. I have lo- – like, even though Harbaugh – goes somewhere different every few years Harbaugh wins wherever he goes and and he didn't go somewhere he hasn't left Michigan so I think Harbaugh goes Harbaugh may wear people out at the NFL level who cares he wins at the highest possible level and I don't want to be ageist but he's younger so I feel like I could have Harbaugh for much longer than I'm going to get Bill
0: Yeah, I think it serves both masters because he is. He's a jump starter outside of Stanford that took a little bit to get online. Everywhere else, it's been paddles on chest, and your football team is now usually good. And again, Dallas isn't far off. Like, the, the bones of a really good team are there. And calling them soft, I, I think, is just a way of saying, like, hey, you can't really run or stop the run when you want to anymore. There's a difference between being able to do it and being able to do it when you want to. And the Cowboys really struggle with that in a way that's probably going to cost a bunch of people their jobs waking up the rest of this week. Like, that's the reality of the situation with the owner that we know is in place with that team. As far as meaningful change elsewhere, fits, we've talked about the Dallas Cowboys – and what's probably in store for them. A lot of changes in that building. We talked about the Miami Dolphins. Neither you, neither of us think that they should be extending to a tongue of Iloa at one of those market-setting contracts. The other one that's really fascinating to me as far as the losers is the Cleveland Browns. Like w- w- how does everyone there feel about the prospect of Deshaun Watson coming back next year knowing that Joe Flacco came in towards the end of that season off the couch and immediately eclipsed everything Deshaun had done as a player since he wore a Browns uniform.
2: Yeah, you're 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 screwed, right? Like there's no nice way to put this. You're just you're screwed. Like You don't have a starting quarterback in Deshaun Watson, but you got starting quarterback money invested in him. You can't go out and draft somebody. I mean, it doesn't feel like there's a viable solution there. You're going to have to find a Joe Flacco that you can bring in and and hope, or you're just going to, like, there's this basic principle for me as I've gotten older, Mike. Like, if I go to a bar or restaurant and I order something and I don't like it, I look at it, it's like the money's already spent. All right, like I'd rather spend more money and just get what I want. Right, like if I'm gonna go out to a nice steakhouse and I don't like it, I'm gonna order what I like it, even if it costs me money. Maybe that's where the Browns need to be with Deshaun. Doesn't matter. Like at this point, the money spent is the money spent. You gotta find some way to get it figured out. Like go go get a different quarterback, even if it means you're spending astronomical money. You can't win with Deshaun, but you can win with Flacco. That's a problem.
0: It was always about Flacco as a proxy for what else was out there, and it's not to diminish Flacco's individual value. I also do love the fact that I think Jason just used a bar analogy to essentially explain sunk cost fallacy. Like I think that I think that's exactly where we went was Jason teaching business What is sunk cost
2: fallacy? I don't even know what that sunk cost fallacy. Like God, you're you're beautiful and smart. I got no idea what that go- is. Google it. I'm pretty sure you know what it is. You just see it in terms of ordering food at a bar instead of how it read in a business school textbook. Y- you know, a I didn't go. To, musicians don't go to business school typically, and B I can't Google it while I'm on air, Mike. God. Well, you just turned
0: on a light while you were on air, apparently, because the glare off your screen is insane right now. It's the sunlight. It's the
2: sunlight, okay? It's the sunlight, Mike.
0: Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is gonna benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements, because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle. Here, I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com gojo and use code 25GOJO to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com gojo code 25GOJO. <laughs>
1: To Gojo and like so the NFL made the decision to move the Bills Steelers game to Monday at 4:30 after a massive snowstorm was projected to hit the Buffalo region. You know, everybody's talking about, like, oh, come on. Like, isn't weather supposed to be a factor in these games? Isn't that why we decided to build the new stadium without a roof? But when you look at this, you understand why the game was postponed. Okay. Up to two feet of snow was projected to fall in the region over a 24 plus hour period. So, heavy snowfall, as you could see there, began to fall mid afternoon Saturday. You had strong wind. The Bills were posting those whiteout conditions. Also, they had a lot of people in the stadium getting it ready. Is this getting it ready? The, the shovelers were having some fun with the whole situation. This dude does not have a shirt on. There's a video playing he does not have a shirt on. He's sliding down the tube that I'm assuming the snow is supposed to go into. And, guys, the Bills tweeted this morning that they are still looking for volunteers to come shovel the stadium. So I've seen some tweets um, since this one went out and it told fans to be prepared to be sitting on piles of snow because they've been told to only shovel the walkways. So guys, this is a real, I mean, that is a snowstorm of epic proportions, I think we can all agree.
0: It's a snowstorm of very Buffalonian proportions. Like, they're not new to this. They're true to this. And I want to be clear, going back to the point of moving this game, because there were a lot of people belching sh- soft and stuff like that about this. The game got moved because of the safety of the fans going to the stadium. Like, as Eric Wood, their former Buffalo Bills great offensive lineman and radio voice for the team pointed out, 47 people died in one of the blizzards there last year. Like, this is not a joke for them. This is about the safety of the people trying to get to the stadium to watch a freaking football game. So they did the right thing by moving this. It's still going to be a snowy mess, which is what they're used to up there in Buffalo. And Jason, this is unfortunately a game that I think could be very simply about the difference one man provides. TJ Watt with him on the field and without him on the field. Two very different Steelers teams. They're 1-10 without TJ Watt since he joined the Steelers and they allow 19.8 points per game with him on the field and 26.3 without him on the field. Almost a full touchdown this guy has been worth in his career and you combine that with the other injuries the Steelers have had at the linebacker level this year and I just don't know if they're going to be able to stop this particular Bills team that is so James Cook and Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox Abel in the middle of the field especially
2: yeah well and and let's be honest part of the offensive game plan this year for buffalo has felt like it's just coaches rolling the football out to josh allen and saying help Right? And so, like, this game feels like we're going to see a ton of Josh Allen just, hey, nothing's there. I'm just going to run ahead for four or five yards. And, you know, I I, I want to double back to something you said and make sure everybody understands. This game was not moved for the health and safety of players and coaches who the league still does not give a damn about. This game was not moved to help anybody that's actually going to be on the field playing it this game was moved and, and one espn reporter uh, frankly asked the league and, and tweeted this out this game was moved because the league was concerned that they would get stuck in a situation where seventy thousand people would be sitting outdoors and stuck in a blizzard where there's nowhere for them to go and there's nowhere for them to be safe the last thing the nfl needs is somebody dying in the stands because there's the game was moved to prevent a death in the stands not a death on the field that's just i just Want to be clear about, you know, all of that, because the, the the amount of people that were yelling and former players even that were yelling, well, why didn't they move the Chiefs game? It, it, because, as the league pointed out, cold doesn't keep you from coming and going. Snow does. So, you know, at, at this point, though, it's going to be an abject disaster of a game. It's going to be ugly and it's going to be all about who can just move forward. And the answer to who's going to be able to move forward with the line of scrimmage to me is the Bills. There is some level of the great equalizer, though. Yet again, we're taking Mm -hmm. away the one like Josh Allen doesn't get the opportunity to really be Josh Allen in this game. And Kenny Pickett, thankfully, doesn't get the opportunity to be Kenny Pickett. Just going to be hand off and let's see what Najee can do. Hand off and see what your backs can do. Like, I, I do think that this game throws predictability out the window because the elements are so terrible.
0: I'd agree and listen for Mason Rudolph down the stretch. The one thing you can say and the one thing. Oh yeah. Mason game, Rudolph. My bad. Not kidding. Yeah. Mason no, I, I knew, I knew what you meant there. It's the you know, red nose the, rain My not, fault. My fault. What? one of of the nondescript White's quarterbacking the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. But of that group, he does not turn the ball over and has not turned the ball over since he got under center with them, which is huge because fits in this game, the run or pass of it is very interesting to consider. We saw a version of this with Kansas City the other night, and in the lead-up to that game, I saw old clips of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick talking from back in the day about how much Tom Brady loved throwing the football in the snow because defensive backs can't get their footing because the offense has the advantage of... of knowing where they're going. And while it looks like Buffalo's going to be without Gabe Davis in this game, who has been a very important off-speed pitch when he's been on for them, for Stephon Diggs and for the rest of this passing attack for the Buffalo Bills, I do wonder how much bu- Josh Allen, who has the kind of arm that can cut through wind and elements when it is you know necessary to do, and also is a capable enough runner himself. I'm with you. It does seem like a game where his ability to take over is even more paramount because everybody else is on such loose filling footing, and you've got a full-blown moose playing quarterback.
2: Yeah, this feels like, though, to your point, the ability to push the ball through to the middle of the field to those tight ends is going to be a big part of it. And, you know, Mason, it's funny uh, to me that Mason has put himself in a situation where over the course of the last few weeks, now people are saying, oh, is Mason Rudolph the future quarterback for the the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like, no. The answer to that to me is still squarely no. In this game, Mason Rudolph isn't going to be the difference maker either. The difference maker is going to be, can the Steelers continue to run the ball efficiently? As you mentioned, the Watt element of this is huge. I just... I think that this feels like one of those ugly games where Buffalo just moves down the field five, six yards at a time and five, six yards at a time. They just get their way down there. They score enough touchdowns to win. All it's going to take is a two touchdown lead and this thing is over because the Steelers won't be able to throw the ball through this. They won't be able to win.
0: No, but Buffalo's rush defense isn't the best in the NFL and for the Steelers in this last three-game win streak, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren combined 444 yards and five touchdowns. Like They've been really good and the Steelers have been able to establish that downhill tone. I think it can keep them in it, but ultimately, I'm with you. I think Buffalo keeps this rolling. I'm one of the biggest heaters in the NFL. The other game we've got fits is the Eagles and Bucks game and with the news that A.J. Brown is not expected to play in this game, coinciding with Jalen Hurts hurts who dislocated a finger in the last game and the defense that we've seen for the eagles completely atrophy over the last year i, I the buccaneers in the point seem like a viable play like i get bakers banged up too but i just don't know what i can reasonably expect from an eagles team that seems broken physically and certainly limps into this game from a psyche standpoint even though they've got all that past experience like we talked about with the chiefs to draw on yeah, last
2: year, the Eagles pass rush masked the Eagles secondary. This year, that can't happen. That hasn't happened throughout the course of the year. Uh, they have struggled to figure out how to replace both coordinators. We've talked about that. Everybody's talked about that. The Eagles are broken. Uh, and from, from a confidence standpoint, from a football standpoint – From a morale standpoint, AJ Brown scrubbing everybody off his social media. Like, we're talking about things we haven't talked about with the Eagles for a minute because when you have high expectations and you don't meet them, then everything becomes about the drama. The minute we're talking about the drama, it tells you that things on the field have gone the wrong way. That's the case. Like, the Eagles had something to play for and the Giants kicked their asses, right? I watched that week 18 game and I watched at the same time. Tampa Bay go out and struggle to beat Carolina right like I I these are two teams that you look at and say my God I cannot believe these are playoff teams in this year's NFL I don't think either of these teams is particularly good but I do think that Baker and those receivers will be able to get after the back end of this Philly offense or defense I should say that is what worries me if I'm a Philly fan I, I have a hard time Picking Philadelphia, even though everything in my heart wants to see Philly, because I want every week I feel like I want to see Philly come out and be the Eagles that we thought they could be. But I think this year's just been lost for them.
0: Yeah, I, I, I still. I think offensively I, I want to see them simplify the equation they're they're healthy enough with you know Dallas Goddard and the offensive line to maybe make that happen but I, I'm with you, I take the bucks and the points in this game the only real winner in this game is the Detroit Lions because they get to face one of these teams right now that's total chaos and they look like the poster of stability which is a wild thing to get to say now where the Detroit Lions look like the much more stable stock to buy heading into the rest of this postseason than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Philadelphia Eagles that are going to square off in a game that on paper looks like it'll be the worst of the weekend so you know how this goes Fitz we're going to end up getting an overtime thriller out of these two teams where somehow they will muster the absolute best that football has to offer so that's been a lot of the NFL slate that will finish up tonight coming up next though let's dip back into college as the biggest hire in the sport finally got made over this weekend Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. feels like we're still reeling from the news of Nick Saban retiring, but Bama is on to the next. They announced on Saturday that former Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer would be taking over as the 28th head coach in Bama history. He spoke about stepping into this role and stepping into the shoes of an absolute legend.
3: It's a, it's a privilege um, to be, to be chosen to be in this role. It's one I don't take lightly. Um, and I know that coach Saban's been working hard to make sure that this program is in a great spot for the next person to take over. Being in a room last night where, you know, I saw a team that has stuck together, Greg talked about 72 hours. Okay. I want you to put yourself in those guys' shoes. Okay, the legendary coach okay, that they came to play for, All right, and now what's next? And I can't tell you how much I appreciate them already, and I've had multiple meetings last night, today with them, individually, leadership groups. I, I know how badly they want to continue the tradition, how they want to do it the right way. and. Them just getting to know me here in just a few hours, it's been a blast, and I can't wait for the journey that lies ahead.
1: Guys, Kalen DeBoer has a 104-12 record. Never coached in the SEC, so here we go. Yeah,
0: Jason, a lot of people love to, to do the fit conversation when it comes to this, and I get it. You know, uh, Experience in a particular conference or in a particular region is important when it comes to recruiting, the relationships that you've got with high school coaches in the area and the kind of things that allow you to sort of put the border up in certain areas, but I think Alabama was tasked with something impossible in replacing Nick Saban, and what they did in hiring Kalen DeBoer is as close as you can come in my mind to acing the test because the guy can coach ball like you look at what he's done at every stop along the way obviously going all the way back to you know Sioux Falls and what he did at that level but in his time as the coordinator at Indiana with Michael Penix the first time around his time at Fresno State and what he did with Jake Hainer and now Washington in short order getting into the national title in a couple of seasons this is a guy that walks in immediately listens to and connects with his players can certainly coach offense and has that pedigree and I think has shown an ability to adapt in multiple stops already, which is all you can ask for, for a guy coming in trying to replace the greatest college football coach of all time.
2: I think sometimes when people miss when they talk about replacing a legend and particularly having any like footprint in the South is that Nick Saban's not going anywhere, right? Like think about what we heard the last day of work. He was still there early in the morning, last out interviewing assistant coaches Nick Saban's going to walk DeBoer into every coach's office uh, office in the South that he needs to, right? Like, Saban's not going to suddenly disassociate with Alabama. I, I think that's an important line here. And you're right. I had the chance to spend a pretty good amount of time with Washington players around media day and the respect that the players have for him. And then talking to the coach. Like, uh, it, you know, there was a joke made about the fact that he never raises his voice. And I asked him about specifically that and he laughed and said, look, I mean, never's is an ultimate answer. But he said, the thing for me is that we have to be consistent and we have to manage our emotions. And if I'm asking my players to do that and I can't, then who am I? But what struck me is that the players had so much respect for the process that DeBoer goes through and how he treats everybody as human beings. I think in the modern culture of college football and the NFL, that matters. I, I don't know that you can come in necessarily in the current age. You know, If you're saving, you can be whoever you want to be. If you're coming in and replacing Saban, the one thing you have to be at Alabama is really sure of who you are and comfortable in who you are so that you can be your own coach and not try and be the replacement to Saban, but just be yourself. In my time hanging around Kalen DeBoer, I think he has all of those things. He's very comfortable with who he is and what his process is. I think that needed to be one of the main requirements for this job.
0: Uh, 100% I, I think that was the first impression I took away talking to him last year when he was taken over at Washington was one of his first directives was come in and he he asked the players about what they thought about certain things and he didn't try and come in and immediately clear out room and demand and uh, that they follow exactly what he said to the letter of the law under some iron fist because you're right it is a different time in college football I think even in a place like Alabama given the circumstances a- and the recruiting stuff will be important like you're going in and now having to recruit against Kirby smart and what Brian Kelly's done at LSU and all these different things that are absolutely going to be a challenge in the most ferocious conference in America. But you also got other wins. Ryan Grubb. I mean, we saw Washington announce that Jed fish, the quarterback from Arizona, or excuse me, the head coach at Arizona, now former head coach is going to be the next head coach. They put pen to paper on that at UW, but that came after the announcement from Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator that had been with Kalen at Washington said, I wanted to be the head coach here. That's not going to be the case. And now it's announced, that he is uh, likely going to be following uh, Kalen DeBoer to Alabama, which is huge for them. One of the most lauded coordinators in college football last year is going to continue evolving offense at a place in Alabama that we know has majored more in that in the later stages of the Saban era than it ever did in the early going.
2: Yeah, and by the way, I think that was a mistake by Washington. Let me be very clear on that. I think letting him go, uh, letting him walk out of the building was a mistake by Washington. But now, Think of the sales pitch when you are talking to players. Hey, I just had a runner-up for the Bolitnikoff Award that, by the way, is also going to be a top five draft pick, right? I got a Heisman Trophy finalist at quarterback uh, that, that we were able to get the most out of. Dylan Johnson's going to be somebody that plays on Sunday. It's like, you look at the ability to get production out of, uh, out of everybody in that offense. I think that becomes part of Kalen DeBoer's sales pitch. And... One thing that really hit me at media days, and I know I've told you this before, but the way the team sort of gravitates to themselves. One thing that when I asked everybody about, you know, being overlooked and disrespect, the number of times different Washington guys said, look, life is us versus us. It's only about how we take of our business. That's all we care about, which actually mimics much of what Nick Saban has said. Like if you listen to some of his best quotes, it's if you're worried about being better than everybody else, then you're worried about the wrong thing. You got to be worried about being the best version of yourself. I don't. I, I think the similarity in some of their messaging actually makes this a pretty smooth transition, even behind the scenes. You're not suddenly coming in and changing the way players think. You're just changing the person that runs it. I, I think there are some real similarities to the core foundation pieces of Deboer and Saban. I'd agree, it's gonna be interesting how
0: quickly that's received by players because the one thing we have seen is there's been some attrition from the recruiting class for Alabama where they've had decommitments in this most recent class. You've seen a couple of guys, Isaiah Bond, their speedy wide receiver, already has entered the portal and committed to go play for Sark at Texas and said, this is a business decision. He said it's 100% tied to Nick Saban leaving and me trusting what Steve Sarkeesian can do for me as an offensive skill player. So we do know that's a part of this now is Alabama had to make this decision quick or else they were going to probably see more guys do that. And so him being able to come in and if he can show that steady hand right away, like that is going to go a long way in what Alabama is going to look like in the immediacy next year, because it is going to be interesting what they do at quarterback, Uh, you know, Jalen Milrose coming back. So how they're going to build the offense around him now with this new group coming in, transitioning from what Saban and Tommy Reese were doing last year and how quickly they can get that message communicated so that now all of a sudden the guys in the current roster stick, but maybe transfers do look at them in the spring portal as a place. That's a desirable destination for offensive guys and the recruits. They've been able
2: to build up. Hold on as well. And losing a recruit from or losing a player from Alabama or Texas because of the Sarkeesian tie, that makes some sense, right? There's some there are some ties there behind the scenes that I think make some sense. I just I can't speak for Isaiah Bond. If I'm a wide receiver, I don't know that there are a lot of coaches or offenses I'd rather play for than Kalen DeBoer. I'm I just just based on what he's been able to do with that position specifically. He gets guys Sunday ready. And that, in modern college football, as you well know, that's a huge sales pitch sitting in there. It's like, hey, name image likeness ain't going to be a problem at Alabama. And I can continue to get you Sunday ready. Like, that is, that's a hell of a sales pitch for him to be able to walk in with.
0: No, completely agree. I do think with Sark it's six of one, half dozen to the other because that's a guy with a pretty well-known offensive resume as well, but uh, I do think it does speak volumes. I I think for Alabama this is, outside of landing Dan Lanning, who I said would have been my first call from that group. I think Kalen DeBoer is a professional. I think he is a guy that has a proven track record at so many levels in college football. Showed it again in the team that we just saw in the national championship and is going to give Alabama the best chance possible at trying to stick the landing post nick saban for washington we'll see on the other side jed fished a hell of a ball coach but the roster that that he is going to get is going to look drastically different than the one that we saw on the title that this last year so uh lots up in the air in the world of college football we get to finish off super Wildcard weekend but coming up next let's get to the real star of the weekend that was here who made a fashion statement that is likely going to echo through the rest of this postseason DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL Playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers, you can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. And we got a couple for you to pick from because of all that snow. In Buffalo, we now have two games to finish off Super Wild Card Weekend with the Steelers, 10-point dogs heading to Orchard Park to play in all that snow, and the Philadelphia Eagles, only a 2.5-point road favorite over the NFC South champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers now. You can check out all those lines and more by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 100 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, guys, time to finish off the show the way we always do, this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and try and check us out live Monday through Friday. But if you can't, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the DraftKings Network, DraftKings Network YouTube page, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, and more. You can go and get us wherever you get our podcast, and check in on our great guests, like our buddy Jason Fitz, who helped us out big time today. Round of applause for Jason Fitz. Stepping up and pitch hitting for Dad, who we hope is having a safe travel day in his return home from Dallas. There is my dad's very sad-looking, empty, dark casita in Scottsdale, for those watching on YouTube. You guys can follow him on Twitter, at Jason Fitz. Check him out over at Yahoo Sports, doing great stuff covering the NFL, college football, all variety of sports, as well as listen to him on Fox Sports Radio. And Jason, you're the perfect guy to talk about this with as we've got a couple of NFL coaching updates heading into the beginning of Silly season. The Chargers will be the first NFL team to interview Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh took a week to celebrate Michigan's first national title since 1997 As now is putting eyes towards the future. So the Chargers are going to get the first crack at him, Fitz, and it seems like for your beloved Raiders, Antonio Pierce right now viewed as the front runner to retain that head coaching job. So are you happy to hear that about Antonio Pierce or are you getting a little bit jealous looking at the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh?
2: Look, I think the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh will be a delightful match. And I think Harbaugh would have been a great coach for the Raiders. But I don't think there's any choice better than Antonio Pierce. He simply understands the culture in that locker room. He's earned the opportunity with the results he had on the field. The players love him, and that has to matter. I mean, it was made clear over the weekend that Max Crosby is prepared to demand a trade if he doesn't get the coach he wants. There's a reason for that, especially for guys that have lived through year after year after year of change. Stability has to matter at some point, Mike. And I just kept watching this weekend thinking the coaching hires to get it right more often than not are not just great hires. They're people that I think understand the community, understand the culture, understand the sales pitch around it. Dan Campbell is Detroit, right? Like there's this level of Dan Campbell speaks to Detroit. D'Amico Ryans speaks to the Texans. There's a reason that they work in those situations. Antonio Pierce not only got great results, but I think he speaks to what it means to be the Raiders, and that that has to have some meaning. So the fact that it means so much to, I think, one of the best Raiders I've ever seen and what it means to that locker room, I think this is a natural hire. you got to go this direction. If you get it wrong, fine, but at some point, this to me makes the most sense. It's win-win, Harbaugh or Antonio Pierce, but I'll take my chances with Antonio Pierce all day.
0: And what you mentioned about those last two guys really leads to the most important part. Then even if you do pick Antonio Pierce, who I think displayed a lot during this is now you got to nail the quarterback the way that the lions were able to with Jared Goff, who was a former top overall pick and the way the Texans certainly did with CJ Stroud, picking him at the top of their draft this year. They've got to figure that situation out. The Jimmy Garoppolo experiment was a failure. Aiden O'Connell looked good, but is not the long-term answer for that team fits a quick one there. Do you think they go veteran or young guy at quarterback this offseason, the Raiders?
2: I think they would make a historic offer to try and move up to the top of the draft to any of those top three picks to get a quarterback. Unfortunately, I don't think it'll get done. I don't think anything will make a trade happen to get out of those top three picks. So they're going to have to look in the market and try and find somebody. So, you know, this just feels like one of those, hey, Cowboys, you want to give up on Dak? I'll take him. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying, I'd take him. I was going to say, Dak, Tua, all of a sudden, if a franchise
0: is really looking to get froggy this offseason, maybe the Raiders can be that soft landing spot to help them through those tough times. Those will be interesting, but not nearly as interesting as what we're going to talk about now. Jesse, let's get to that and the real star of the Juice Check household shining bright this weekend.
1: Kristen Juice Check, she is going mega viral right now. She designed custom puffer jackets For Brittany Mahomes and the Taylor Swift, that's right. And the jacket's obviously going crazy all over the internet. Everyone's losing her minds. She posted a video on how she made them, the process that she went through. She also designed a Lions one for uh, Taylor Lautner that made its way to him. So, like, she's she's hitting Twilight. She's hitting Taylor Swift. She's got Brittany Mahomes. Obviously going super viral, like I said, um, I mean she, like you said, she's the true star of the Juice Check household, right?
0: It was, it was huge. There's a couple levels to this. So she'd been making custom clothing. You can go look on her Instagram page for herself, for people around her. She had done a piece for Simone Biles and her husband, Jonathan Owens, for the Packers not too long ago, but obviously shot her shot with Taylor Swift in a way that is probably going to change her life, to be honest, Fitz. Like this looks like something the NFL could and should partner with, being that she's the wife of a player. They've got that easy in. But we also know women are an incredibly under – I think under – utilized market of the NFL. There's such a big fan base of women that watch the sport who have been, I think only like placated with the stuff that the NFL has marketed to them. And now to have someone who is actually valuing that section of the NFL fan base and giving them
2: things that they might actually want could be an incredible partnership for both sides. Yeah. I mean, you got to, you got to take advantage of the Taylor Swift audience that you just got from that. Like there, there's no doubt about it. Uh, that would take mass production a lot of steps. I'm bet. I'm betting her life right now is very hectic. Hopefully, it frees up enough time for her to make me one that has like the, the the Crosby feel on it. I'm just saying, like Mike, you'd look good in one from Notre Dame. I'm just saying, like let's leverage some things here. Although Juice, I don't think it's going to respond to either of us when we try to get these things.
0: No, I may have tried to DM both of them to see if she would want to come on the show, but that's neither here nor there. Uh-huh. Uh, what a massive L, by the way, for all the losers still complaining about Taylor Swift's swag surfing in the box at the game this weekend. She showed up and popped open the window at Arrowhead built different and a decent swag surf. I can't believe we're still swag surfing in 2024. I saw Chris Jones after say they needed a different stadium DJ largely for that reason. But if you're going to do it, she didn't hold back at all, which I appreciate in a game where Travis Kelsey, pretty good game, not a great game, a couple of weird drops, but ultimately stock up for all of us who are just normal people who can consume football and stock way down for losers still complaining that Taylor Swift is just existing in the NFL space.
2: Yeah, nobody was complaining when Eminem was shown during the Lions broadcast. I'm just like, if if you're a grown-ass adult that has a problem with Taylor Swift being in the broadcast for the 30 seconds she's here and there and everywhere on that broadcast, just shut up. At the end of the day, just sit down, shut up, and color in your book because you're showing how small you are every time you go to social media and complain about 30 seconds of a broadcast being spent on somebody you don't like. Like, it's a stupid thing to compare about and to complain about.
0: Exactly. So instead, we will shout out both Kristen Juicecheck for obviously making these wonderful things. Her husband, Kyle Juicecheck for being there in the replies of every tweet and making sure that his baby got credit. Uh, Ladies, if he wanted to, he would. That is the ultimate lesson coming off this weekend. Jesse, let's get to the third, though, and finish with maybe the best clip from this entire weekend here. Maurice Jones Drew, the hero that we didn't even know we needed.
1: Yeah, so he's on set. Uh, With Chris Rose, you know, after Chiefs defeated the Dolphins, whatever they're talking about, the game, and a beautiful moment was created.
2: But this is far and away the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had. Right? I mean, is it possible that they can ride the D? Uh -uh.
3: The defense?
1: Okay. I like that he (laughs) he had to clarify. The defense, obviously. It, it...
0: Like so rarely, and I think just coming off of um, Pat McAfee on College Game Day, the the let a naysayer know moment from that show where we had someone stop and acknowledge the moment that everybody could feel sitting there around watching. Maurice Jones-Drew stepped up in the next the way that we needed because you can't let that level of sexual innu- innuendo go unchecked, Fitz.
2: Uh, Look, as the resident child on every show you've ever worked on, I was so proud of this. Like, I just looked at, like, it was a chef's kiss moment right there. We just stopped. Like, I stood up and I slow-clapped MJD for this. Like, this was a a beautiful, beautiful piece of art by him that will live on forever. The look will be turned into memes. The moment will be turned in. And every time we talk about defense, somebody in the room is going to giggle like a middle school child. I am here for every ounce of it.
1: Yeah, and it was just so smooth the way he just was like, you know, he gave the pause, he got the, he got the clarification, and then you know just moved on. But it was it was masterful, truly.
0: It was the pregnant pause, the absolutely lethal side eye here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're looking for winners of the weekend like we said, Kristen juice Jack sitting at the top of the pile right now, new fashion NFL icon, but Maurice Jones drew uh, taking up the mantle for all of us that refuse to grow up. No matter what our parents or anyone else in our lives, try and tell us you can be a child forever. Just look at our good friend, Maurice Jones drew. Uh, you can also be a child forever with us. And if you appreciate that, download subscribe rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating support our buddy, Jason Fitz who came in and helped us out big time today at Jason Fitz on Twitter. Thanks so much much. Enjoy the end of wildcard weekend. We'll talk to you tomorrow.